Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Com- uh, Comrade, what's going on? I wore shorts to work for the first day uh, uh, this year. That was a good feeling. I felt like I was my true self again. Uh, we can kind of wear whatever the fuck we want to wear. And uh, it's just it, when you ride a bike to work, right, and you still have to have like fucking pants on because it's too cold, it's very... It, like you start your day in a bad mood, right? And when you can ride a bike to work in shorts and it's just, it's, it's liberating in ways that I can't even describe. <laughs> so I'm good today. It was like 75 degrees today. So summer, we, we yeah, skipped over day. like the, the, the month of icy cold uh, spring and now it's already summer. Yeah, no, no, no. The, uh, most of this month kind of sucked, but luckily it seems to be kind of thawing now. Um, yeah, so let's just get into the news of the week because uh, there's a couple things I want to touch on. Um, obviously, the situation in Iran is uh, worrisome, <laughs> to say the least. Um, is there a situation in Iran, though? Or no, no, it- the, 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 the situation we're manufacturing in Iran is, is, is very worrisome. So uh, reports came out that uh, John Bolton, Mike Pompeo, all the fucking lunatic war hawk... Uh, maniacs within the trump administration are trying super hard to get trump uh to bungle his way into war in iran uh and you know there was talks of like a, a bunch of different uh plans being laid out including sending 120,000 troops to the middle east if iran uh attacks the united states which is laughable like they would fucking attack the united states um or if if they uh continue to develop nuclear weapons was the way it was phrased which is also hilarious because they aren't developing nuclear weapons they gave up 97 percent of their uranium uh because of the iran nuclear deal which trump pulled us out of so they don't have enriched uranium and it would take them years to actually enrich enough uranium to even make one uh nuclear warhead so it's preposterous to act like and and by the way they would be totally within their rights to because we completely violated and canceled the nuclear agreement that they entered into with us but basically the war hawks in the administration are trying to use every pretense imaginable to get us into war with iran uh well i, and- I think they they really they believe that trump is just unhinged and crazy and go fucking do anything and they're like oh he's he's perfect he, he's even dumber than bush and we can get him into the war we've always wanted the 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 paul wolfowitzes and the, the donald rumsfelds and the john boltons you know, they all wanted to, to have Iraq just be the, you know, the beginning stone. Uh, of yeah. going to war with Iran, full-blown war, um, with a country that's four times larger with a vastly more sophisticated military. Um, and, and then, of course, Trump is like the one thing Trump has held on to and not totally fucking flaked on is his just, you know, the only thing he's ideological about apparently is imposing uh, opposing unending wars and imposing, you know, blatant imperialism. And he seems to be holding on to that. And we've theorized, I think, that that might just because he he sees, like, uh, you know, urbanization and real estate to be the better way to make money instead of blowing up buildings, like, let's build casinos in the in the desert. <laughs> I, I really do. I mean, look at look at how yeah. chummy he is with Saudi Arabia. And it's like, hey, let's, get, you know, let's keep building more Trump Towers out in the desert. I really think he's- that's the only reason he's like that. But it's it's there. You know, I mean, he doesn't, you know, he's obviously not somebody who cares about human rights or cares about, you know, the sovereignty of nations. But I think he's uh, he's smart enough to realize that 
these wars are for profit and always end up working out really badly for the person who starts them. And he's, but he's also dumb enough to, uh, be, to not go along with the Republican orthodoxy. And when I say dumb enough, I mean dumb enough, you know, in uh, most Republicans know exactly how d- devastating and destructive these regime change wars are, but they don't give a fuck because they stand to make profit from it. But he's not, he doesn't, uh, for some reason, he can't make that connection because his brain still says like, well, it's really bad. This would look really bad. I'll probably lose in 2020 if I start another disastrous war. You know right. what I mean? Like, I and think there, also, there's a lot of calculations. evangelical either where he's got this idea that it, oh, have yeah, to, it has to be fly. like this, you know, that our, uh, that our fascist white troops are somehow, you know, the, the sword of God fighting against, uh, you know, the, the evil infidel with like the, the curved fucking Aladdin sword that, you know, is on, on the cover of time news once every or time magazine, every uh, couple of years. He doesn't care about politics. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's be real. Like he's a, he's uh, no. the president, but he doesn't really know. He, he's not particularly ideological one way or another. Right. Well, I mean, our drone strikes have increased even more over what Obama increased them over Bush. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just he kind of just said, like, hey, Pentagon, you go. He's like, I don't give wars. We're already in the way you want. And I don't give a shit about starting any new ones. And I'll, you know, don't really want more troops left in Afghanistan, like what, whatever. And then, of course, you know, liberals shit their pants because you've got a president who's uh, to the left of Obama and Hillary Clinton when it comes to uh, to war uh, in Donald Trump. Irony of ironies. But uh, yeah, I mean, for the last two years, what have they said? You know, oh, Trump's going to start a bigger war. He's going to start a worse war. It'll be way worse. And then like the none, that never happens. And then, uh, of course, if there's even like a, you know, a little bit of saber rattling, which I think Trump doesn't mind doing because he thinks, oh, it's a it's a bargaining chip. I'll just we talk also love looking like a tough guy. Yeah, right. Right. And, he, and you know, the, the we've talked about this, how the uh, Obama's nuke deal with Iran was a good deal. It was good. You know, it was good diplomacy. And I'm guaranteed the only reason Trump didn't like it is because he's just fucking racist and doesn't want anything. He doesn't want any of Trump or Obama's legacy to to roll over into his term. So he just pulled out of it thinking I can oh, I can do a better deal, which is just, you know, hubris and ego. Well, that's what I was reading a lot of uh, reports about this situation. And he's like super like pissed at his advisors. He's like, stop trying to escalate with Iran. I don't want war with Iran. It's not going to work out well for us. It's going to work out terribly for <laughs> right. me in the election. But it says in there that he keeps trying to get uh, Iran to come to the negotiating table because he wants to strike a nuclear deal with them. So I really don't think he it, he he did get tricked in a sense in that he allowed the idiots like John Bolton or the maniacs, excuse me, like John Bolton and Mike Pompeo to talk him into ripping up the nuclear deal by like prodding him about like, Oh, well this is Obama's, you know, blah, blah, blah. like he, they, they fed him the right wing talking points about the Iran nuclear deal. So he would cancel it. But realistically he doesn't actually want to escalate tensions with Iran. So he's like trying to get his own deal. Like it, oh, it, it yeah. really, even there's no it. strategy. They were like, asking you know, at a press conference at a, not a press conference, but whatever they call it when he just like walks by on the way to the helicopter <laughs> and answers four random questions. And they were like, well, what can Iran do? What do you want Iran to do? And he goes, they can call me. <laughs> he's just that, <laughs> he's that like informal about it. Like there's no, you remember, remember all the Republicans said like there should, there have to be all these preconditions for Iran before we ever negotiate. Yeah. And yeah. Trump's like, yeah, I don't even like that bill. But they can call me anytime. There's no preconditions whatsoever. Oh, and like, they went, they went nuts. <laughs> and they went nuts when Obama agreed to meet with a, another, by the way, another one of the better things he did during his presidency was he agreed to meet 
with with the Iranians without preconditions because preconditions are anathema to diplomacy. You can't say, okay, I'll meet with you to discuss a truce or to discuss a treaty or discuss an agreement, but in order to even meet with me, you need to do this, this, and this. It's like, fuck you. Well, like, why would I do that? Like, we're not like, I'm going to do that. And you may or may not, you know, give me anything in return. Like that's, it's a non-starter. And the Warhawks in both parties and in the military industrial complex know it's a non-starter, which is why they insist on pushing it as the establishment orthodoxy that you must have preconditions when you meet with any foreign adversary, quote unquote. It's it's ridiculous. So that, you know, uh, credit to Obama for not doing that with Iran and credit to Trump for not, you know, doing that with Iran. Like it's, and and, in the article I actually read that he um, talked with, uh, the Swiss, who's kind of the U.S. Uh, go-between in Iran, they process a lot right. of uh, uh, U.S. Uh, paperwork and things like that, you know, to go they're because they don't have our, an official uh, relationship. Right. They're like our surrogate embassy. Um, and if you go to our website, uh, Department of State's website, it basically says, like, if you go there and you get in trouble for anything, you can't call us. you got to call the Swiss. <laughs> they're the ones that you're going to have to talk to. Because do we not we, – we, we probably don't have an embassy in Iran, right? No, um, be, because uh, the Iranians took it over and oh yeah, all <laughs> that's right. Back together, <laughs> all the doc, all the documents we tried to shred, yeah, yeah, did yeah. shred that show that we toppled the democracy in 1953. That they painstakingly taped together. Um, yeah, we haven't had an embassy there since. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I totally slipped my mind. The whole yeah, I saw her go. I know, I know, I know, I know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't. I just know that. I know. I mean, imagine that. Imagine, imagine like wondering what the fuck happened in your country to democracy for for thirty years, and then mm-hmm. like you finally break in and like, hey, look at all these documents they shredded, and you put it all back together, and you're like, that's <laughs> what we always fucking thought. By the way, re- real fucking smart strategy, just leaving paperwork lying around saying like, oh, yeah, we totally secretly did that coup in, in 1953 to overthrow your elect- democratically elected leader. So uh, sorry. You know, like, why would you leave that shit lying around? But because, because um, they were so arrogant that they never thought yeah, that a bunch yeah, of students would, would, you know, and originally people forget or they never knew in the first place that the Iranian, you know, Islamic revolution didn't start out as an Islamic revolution. It started out as a student movement on campuses it was you know the people that wanted a secular iran they didn't want the the shah they didn't want to live in a a monarchy and it was it was largely a left-wing marxist movement and it was only after it gained steam that you know the fucking ayatollahs came in and turned it into a a a far you know extremist religious movement uh after that so it you know it's Again, there was it was a genuine popular uprising against U.S. Um, imperialism taking away their democracy originally. Yeah. Um, what well, was I mentioned? Oh, but so the Swiss uh, Trump actually, you know, it's funnily, funnily enough when you said he was like, oh yeah, just call me. According to uh, the New York Times article, he gave uh, one of the Swiss, I, I guess, ambassadors uh, a phone number to give to the Iranians to to literally call him. And yeah, apparently they haven't passed it along yet. Yeah. <laughs> but like that's literally what he was like, oh yeah, just, just um, which you know, and I'm sure everyone's ha- hair is on fire about that. But at the at the same time, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I it, the, the situation needs to be de-escalated, and I think finally, uh, you know, whether or not he's doing it for the right reasons or just because he knows it's politically inexpedient to go to war with a massive country like iran 
um, the National Security Council is drafting up de-escalation strategies, which they, as of like last week, were saying, well, we're never, we're not going to do that. This is ridiculous. Like they were saying that they were absolutely not going to draw up de-escalation plans. And now there's a report that they're drawing up de-escalation plans. Right. So, well, you, you remember the, you remember the ending, uh, yeah, the ending of the movie Spies Like Us, where it on the outside, it looks like there's like this extremely tense negotiation going on. But inside, mm-hmm. it's just they're actually just playing risk and like getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like I think that like Trump literally thinks that you can fucking do that and and it works. And you could like he's watched those movies and thinks like I could fucking do that. It's I one of the only good things play. about him is that he he doesn't have that that orthodoxy drilled into his head because he's a fucking you know idiot. But he also no, he's, he's a clown he's from TV. Honestly, he's a clown from TV, and that's what he knows how to do. And, and can still like get away with all these other awful things that he he know his he knows his base will eat up like all the fucking racist immigration bullshit, um, and he does he does that. I, I think deep down he's he's clearly a racist person, but not ideologically sure. so, because uh, he likes you know rich black people <laughs> he can go to go you know co promote an event with, uh, obviously. But it's still it's it's just such a bizarre thing, and I think that 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 rubs a lot of liberals the wrong way for the wrong reasons because they're like, oh, we didn't want war, Bush wanted war, but then Obama inherited his wars, and now we have a president that's not interested in starting new wars. And now, like, you know, the brainworms, the derangement syndrome with Trump, they're now pro-war because he's apparently anti-war. And, well, and you know, people like Jank are going to go out and be like, well, you know, I'm sure Vladimir Putin called him and told him to de-escalate the situation in Iran. It's like they can't just deal with the fact that he's maybe as dumb as he is smart enough to realize when, when he's trying to when they're the people in his administration are at the risk of his popularity trying to lead the country into a regime change war because of their ideological and financial goals. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, like what, what would be more ironic than the fact that we don't get into any new wars the entire time Trump is president because he's so arrogant that he thinks he's smarter than all of these other fucking ideological (laughs) war hawks. And he's like, yeah, Bolton, he doesn't know what he's really doing. Whereas Bush was like, okay, yeah, Dick Cheney, come in here. Let's do whatever you want to do. And then then, like literally Trump is so dumb. He thinks he's smarter than these other people. And that's what we're, what keeps them from actually having as much influence as they could have and actually getting the civil war through the run. (laughs) It is really ironic, but I'll take it, you know, like shit. Um, but, but so now, but just my only caveat to all this is if we do end up sending 120,000 troops to the Middle East, we will almost definitely get into war with Iran. Even if we do it as a uh, uh, preparedness measure, where, where would John Bolton, where would yeah, that's they, they'll be tripping over go. each other. They'll be fucking tripping over each other. They'll probably go to Iraq. Um, and you know just sit on the border but what so because we basically control iraq right now you know um and they want us to fucking leave but so and the uh, u.s pulled all uh non-essential personnel out of iraq you know and the fact that we did that's really troubling and the fact that john bolton's leading so much of this uh policy making even though trump doesn't want the same things that bolton wants is troubling because i can easily see a scenario where john bolton says to one of his buddies uh, that happens to be a general you know lead uh, who's controlling one of the one of the battalions in this uh troop surge like hey you know i'm not saying anything but just saying you know if you want to walk across the border maybe uh get you know get one of your guys shot or get one like th- there's so many little things that 
the you, that Bolton could have done to oh yeah make I mean, it so that really Trump can't to just start can't, an you know. uh, yeah I mean exactly. just, like get it get get ten guys in a fucking zodiac boat and cross a border and get arrested and then all of a sudden there you go there you're, there's your incident that you, all the networks will be running non fucking stop you know our our heroes captured by the Iranian. Uh, you know, Republic Guard, who's now been you know, labeled terrorists, which, you know, even the Pentagon and Pompeo didn't want done. And Trump just went and did it. And it's like, I don't think they really like words don't mean anything to him. They're like, oh, that'll actually inflame tensions more. And we might not be able to control the repercussions. And Trump's like, yeah, it's just a word, whatever. You know, <laughs> it's just- ironic. It's like if any and if any uh, government army should be labeled a terrorist organization, it's probably the United States military, considering how we probably. terrorize. Every Probably. other fucking country in the no, world. I mean, there's no, there is no without terrorism. provocation. Yeah, it, it, what is it now? They want, a, you know, a, the, a, Iran is provoking us by having boats with missiles on them off their own shore near <laughs> our aircraft carrier that we have parked out there. Just uh-huh. like, just fucking insane. Do you imagine if if Iran had an aircraft carrier and just parked it thirty miles off the coast of Florida? And was like, what? Oh, we would be we we would have nuked them already. Like, there's there's no question we would have at, at absolutely gone to war with them and and probably. Uh, nuked them I mean, <laughs> like, what? That's I mean, the thing. I mean, we're I mean, positioning. I mean, yeah, we're we're setting booby traps like all around Iran, like on land, by on at sea. We're we're like just just sneeze and accidentally crash one of your boats in our boats so we can yeah. go to war. And, with and you, it's please. been this like, way for sixty years. This we didn't. I mean, imagine if if there was. What uh, three, you know, three dozen military bases along the border of the U.S. that were controlled by, uh, you know, North Korea, <laughs> if they were just had bases <laughs> lining our borders. Um, no, it's It'd absurd. Totally cool. And the only reason America can be the bully it is is because it only has two neighbors who we've fucking subjugated, uh, you know, with just just awful trade deals and stole half the fucking country from Mexico and just you know if we had if we had a bunch of different neighbors we would have I don't know how how we could you know really get away imagine if there was like you know instead of just one country from the south if you know say there was uh, five or six Latin American countries that actually were landlocked with America how much I don't I don't know if things would be better or not but it would certainly we would have to you know negotiate with more people or more nations we probably would have we'd, we'd probably be a lot more like israel like in that we would like be constantly settling <laughs> just lashing in, you know, all of those countries like yeah going to going to like, war against six different countries yeah. like if venezuela and like cuba and all these countries actually bordered us like along the east coast which wouldn't be the east coast anymore like if they literally were like attached you know to the outer rims of the united states we would constantly be occupying them. We would have settlements in Cuba. We would no, have I, I feel like if if, if the world wanted they, to we really just have them at that point. invade us, it would be the easiest fucking victory because we would just be all of our all of our resources would be scattered all over the globe. Um, you know, we, our national guard would be fucking you know overweight, you know, out of shape. Um, Half the country already thinks we've had a, a white genocide and we've been overtaken by, you know, by uh, Mexicans. And they think that, like, we've already, lost, you know, our, our, our stolen valor will never come back. So they just be like, oh, fuck it. They already have the country anyway. They've already got half of Texas back. Let's just give up. And I they mean, just, you the, know, they. <laughs> it'd be well, the, they always say, like, the, the fall of every empire is because they spread themselves too thin militarily. That's like the, the number one reason that like all the world's greatest empires have fallen because they 
spread themselves too thin. Sure. And but then I mean, half, half the country that that's the most racist um, couldn't win a civil war and has spent the last hundred <laughs> years saying the South will rise again. And what do they do instead? They get fucking drunk and, you know, uh, sit on their fucking porch and beat their wife and their trailer burns down because they had a meth lab. You know, like that's that's the level of their ambition to actually fight a war. Right. So if we got taken no, over. No hate penny leftists that live in those states, by the way. We know you guys can't yeah. help it. <laughs> Yeah. don't do don't do meth don't have a meth lab in your trailer yeah that, yeah but don't do meth that's it's not a good idea <laughs> it's bad news um yeah so i don't know it, it, it's a really fucked up situation so hopefully it resolves itself without us uh starting world war three uh with iran and russia and syria and every other country that, that would get involved in that situation. well and, and it always feels like wherever we are with, with iran is the worst it's ever been because that's how they play in the media, like, oh, this this new escalation tensions. And it's been that way for literally 40 years. It's been that way our whole lives. It's just, it doesn't matter who the, who the president is. It's always this, you know, there was, a, I just, I put up a quote the other day and it was like, you know, who said this, Hillary or Trump? And the quote was basically, you know, I, I have uh, very little confidence in this uh, Iran nuclear deal going through. And of course it was Hillary Clinton who actually said that. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, on a, it again, if, if she was president, I would be, just as concerned yeah, well, she about hates uh, diplomacy. A, real, a real war with Iran right now. She fucking hates diplomacy. So my only reason, the only reason I'm more concerned than I may have been in the past is because the only other time we've had a president who's stupid enough to allow situation to get inflamed as bad as it has been, you know, in, in the modern era, obviously you could say Reagan, but the situation with Iran was a little bit different than, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, Iran goes through, Iran goes through cycles, but, in the modern era, the only other president who was stupid enough to let it escalate to the point where it has was Bush. But unfortunately for Cheney and Bolton, uh, Bush, even as dumb as he was, realized by the time 2005 and six rolled around that Cheney had fucking played him. Uh, and they they were trying to gear up to go to war with Iran after Iraq and Afghanistan, and Bush actually kind of cut Cheney out towards the end of his yeah, second uh, term. You're right. Uh, Seymour Hirsch did a, a big thing. He was the first reporter to uh, expose the Malay massacre. Was Seymour Hirsch, mm-hmm. and he he's always had a very like highly speculated like who this person is insider in the Pentagon, mm-hmm. uh, who has been feeding him information for like forever, right? And yeah. this this person basically said, if it was not for George Bush, George W. Bush saying flatly, just no, we will not, you know, we will not go to war with Iran, that it would have happened, that everyone was on board to make it happen. The whole fucking project for a new American century was ready to go for it. And it came down to Bush and Bush just said, no, I won't do it. You know, and this was already like, like, you know, the last two years of his administration. And they were still like, no, we can totally do this. We can totally do this. And he just said, no. So. And and I think for Bush because he was so dumb, it wasn't he wasn't smart enough to know that they were trying to do it for the reasons they were trying to do it for. They really genuinely, I think, got him to believe a lot of his own bullshit about like, well, you know, you have to go after Saddam because he went after your father, and they could have these weapons. Like I genuinely think that they sold to George Bush that there were weapons of mass destruction prior to the invasion. Like if you believe a lot of the insider reporting and a lot of the portrayals and media and movies and stuff. He was asking them, like he was, he was saying to Cheney, like, where the fuck are these weapons? You you got me to, you know, start this war by telling the American people there were these weapons of mass destruction. Uh, because we know that Cheney and Wolfowitz and all those guys 
manipulated intelligence reports and really just doctored them and falsified them to uh, make them fit the narrative that they wanted to push to Bush and by proxy to the American people to manufacture consent for that war. So I think when he realized that he had been sold a bill of goods by Cheney, uh, he was like, fuck you. Like, it wasn't even like, I don't want to go to war with Iran. It was like, fuck you. I'm not going to let you do it to me again. Like, you made me look like an idiot once. Right. Like, he doesn't care about the million dead in Iraq. He just didn't like yeah, it. No, he, like, he, he got personally played. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that sounds I, about right. Yeah. Again, he the, was also the, a headstrong the, guy. He was like, you know, fuck you. Like, he had that, like, you know, an unearned sense of, of entitlement right. and intelligence, exactly. which he didn't have. Yeah, again, the, the 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 villain having a streak of uh, you know, good nature that really just comes down to their own ego. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take yeah. it. Um, but yeah, so uh, the Iran situation's uh, worrisome. Also, the Venezuela situation uh, is is getting worse. They fuck. I don't know if you saw it today. They uh, sent a bunch of Gestapo into the Venezuelan embassy to forcibly remove the remaining embassy protectors who were there trying to stop the embassy from being handed over to the uh, unelected uh, government of, of Juan Guaido, the, you know, the opposition leader who the U S is recognizing as the leader of as the president of Venezuela, you know, despite no, no qualifications and no actual uh, constitutional uh, reasons for, for doing so. So it's, it's just like a fucking game of tree for or, or capture the yeah. flag. It's like, oh, oh, we got the embassy now. Now we run the country. Well, no, you don't. It's just a place where you can spew rhetoric to the American people from now. Um, I mean, beyond all the fucking cable news networks that do it already. <clears throat> yeah, but so now, and I'm, but I'm also concerned with any kind of like, leftists trying to if the opposition does manage to take foot in venezuela which i don't think they're going to and i think that's another reason why trump was mad at bolton uh because he's feels like he was sold to bill of goods on the venezuela situation where bolton was like hey it'd be super easy to ch- to do regime change they'll do it in like two weeks like don't worry about it we'll, we'll, we'll you know he's super unpopular that they you know they bullshit trump on that too and i think he like there's a lot of reports in the post and things like that about how he was pissed at Bolton for misleading him on that. So I, I think there's, I don't, I, I think we might end up not going all the way with either of those two situations just because Trump doesn't like being played for a fool, uh, even if he, and he doesn't have any ideology about either of those two, uh, you know, re- regime change attempts. So, oh, yeah, we it, might it's so weird because he says so many absurd things, um, but he he's like, he has such a like a fragile ego. I mean, uh, often men in power have fragile egos, but he has no problem debasing himself and with saying the most ridiculous, off the wall, absurd shit. But only if he thinks he's doing it on purpose. When someone else makes him look bad, it, he can't stand that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think ultimately Bolton will be out, and maybe he'll bring in somebody else, or or maybe he just doesn't care. You know, maybe he doesn't give a shit about national security whatsoever and he'll just bring you know any fucking clown will do let bolton do it he's the worst well the new secretary of defense nominee or interim secretary of defense he he told him outright we're not going to go to war with iran like that was the other report that came out today so you know uh again we'll see what happens but i think he's he's that bolton's definitely on his bad side right now which is good news for all of us and good news for uh all of the brown people in the world because John Bolton would kill every single one of them if he had his druthers. Um, he would. And then he would sell them, uh, you know, uh, insur- life insurance and Quaker Oats and 
<laughs> diabetes medication. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whatever. The diabetes. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, well, I don't really know how to transition from that, but uh, let's just talk about Joe Biden because uh, he's another motherfucker I can't stand. Oh, right. he's God. He's been doing some stupid shit lately. So uh, I have two things that I wanted to talk about with Biden. Number one, and this is just Joe Biden in a nutshell, and this is why he is just the absolute wrong politician for these times. Like, he, you know, I mean, this is just this is Joe Biden 101. So in New Hampshire, uh, Joe Biden predicts that once President Trump is out of office, Republicans will have a, quote, epiphany and work with Democrats towards consensus. He said that in the speech. And, well, and, I mean, it, it's what they always have said that, you know, you look at it anytime a Republican uh, switches party to Democrat, they're openly embraced, right? Like, oh, see, yeah. we can reach the other side. And it's like, you are the other side. You're the same fucking corporate party. But if, you know, anytime a, a, a socialist wants to join the Demo- Democratic Party, we're being taken over by the radical left, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's the fucking centrism is a cancer, the ideology that, uh, oh, yeah. So if we just, you know, debase ourselves enough, then then the right will finally respect us. And it's just like, no, they're not. They're just going to give you another fucking wedgie, Joe Biden. No, and they're just going to keep going further to the right. The more you meet them at in the at, towards the right, they're just going to keep moving to the right. And that's why we're in the situation we're fucking in. And Joe Biden is one of the biggest perpetuators of that because he's been a right wing motherfucker since, you know, since before he uh, had hair plugs, like he was a right wing motherfucker back in 1975. <laughs> and it, it's just like he... I, God, you know, he's perpetuating this really dangerous and harmful myth that Trump is an aberration and that Trump is not like the rest of the Republican Party and that, you know, Trump is the irrational one. And once he's gone, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans will get in a room together and they'll come to a consensus and find common ground. It's fucking bullshit. Like, it's never been true. It's never been true. Like, it, 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 I just can't That's stress their that brand. That That's it's- always been their fucking brand is we just have to, you know, we can't do the things that the, the left wants because Republicans won't let us unless mm-hmm. we're really, really nice to them. And then they'll, you know, we, we can move forward. So, no, yeah, it's yeah. not it's not complicit. I mean, they they are the the team that loses to the Harlem Globetrotters. And it's like, you know, maybe if we just, uh, you know, uh, shine their, their their basketball shoes for them uh, one more time, they'll let us win. It's just Washington like they know, generals, ironically yeah, enough. Exactly. And it's not even it's not even like a real Stockholm syndrome. They, it's it's like fake Stockholm syndrome where they're pretending. No, it's, it's, though, the, it's the game they play. They know what they're doing. Right. Exactly. And again, it's it's to appeal to enough old fucking white farts who live in, you know, the white Southerners who will support Joe Biden and he'll lose in the South eventually to, to whoever the, you know, Trump, whoever right wing, real right wing candidate is. Um, yeah, but it's just in, you know, and there was, it was fucking gotta article. Be Bernie. They don't have to beat Trump. That's all right. I care no, about. Of course to beat Bernie article in the Atlantic today, uh, titled, you know, will the left go too far? You know, like, oh, the, the two the two people who you are even barely on the left in Congress and the Senate, have they already done too much damage to the Democratic <laughs> Party? No, it, it, it's just everything, everything. You don't you don't own a newspaper like The Atlantic uh, and, and, and spew things out that are pro worker. You just don't. 
you know, if you have someone remotely to the left, you isolate them. You, you pretend as though they're they're like, you know, this way more powerful force than they really are. And we're on the verge of just, you know, spiraling out of control and, you know, full Marxism is about to take over. And then at the same time, you marginalize them and say, well, they're just a fringe anyway. Right. So it's like it's like this game of trying to pretend that they're a fringe, but the fringe has too much power and we must reign in the fringe and return to our moderate centrist values. It's, it's, this game is always being played. I mean, you, you really don't think that The Atlantic with their editor in chief, David Frum, would would support workers <laughs> rights. I don't know why you'd think that. But uh, Bush speechwriter. Yeah. Axis of yeah. evil. It coined, it coined the term axis of evil. I don't know why you'd think they'd be. They'd be uh, It'd be right wing. But yeah, so he's a, you know, he's both an idiot and and a huckster. Like, you know, because he is, there's an element of, of just general stupidity to everything that Biden does. Like whenever he's caught off the cuff, he just comes across like horribly. You know, whenever he's forced to answer a question, somebody like that just runs up to him with a camera phone, he just fucking bungles it. And that's why they are like forcibly like tackling people that try to walk up to him and ask him questions now. Like we, we saw like the, when he, the day he announced, they asked him about the Anita Hill thing. And he, and he said that, that quote where he was like, I'm not sorry for anything that I've ever done or something to that effect. So I think after that, his people were like, do not let anyone ask him a question because he will answer it. And he will say something stupid. Let's just not let him near a fucking camera. Um, but so there was that. And then also, you know, there was that report last week that Biden is going to try to find a middle ground approach to climate change, which, you know, we already laid out last week, I believe, why that's uh, just laughably fucking stupid and uh, outrageous for, for anyone to say, let alone a Democratic. Right. So, so for Joe Biden, the, the middle ground would be uh, four feet underwater instead of 10 feet underwater. That's that's what he means by the middle ground. I mean. But but comrade, if we're four feet underwater, my head's still above water. I can still breathe, even though I can't, you know, function in life. If I'm ten Joe's feet, I'm gonna have to. Joe's a tall wade. guy. He can wait. You know, he can stand up in that that water. So. Sorry, sorry, little people, but like, I guess you, I guess you guys are yeah. fucked. But you know, the, the, any, any the of the moderately teenage, tall, you know, the twelve year old girls he's molesting on on live TV will uh, <laughs> not fare so well. But um, so. You know, apparently Joe Biden's middle ground is to, to uh, hire a natural gas lo- natural gas lobbyist as his chief uh, climate advisor for his campaign. Well, she worked for Obama, so clearly no harm, no foul there, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, then there was a speech AOC gave at, I believe it was at the Green New Deal uh, panel or conference. They did, they did a bunch of like events, uh, Sunrise Movement did and a couple other groups did. Um, which is great, and and it, it's really great to see this this idea gaining a lot of traction and steam. Was but, there? Uh, do you have audio of AOC for any? Of that? I don't have audio. I don't have audio of her, but she basically was saying like she she very, you know, she she kind of subtweeted Biden when she's like, we do not have time for a middle ground approach to climate change. It's it's an absolutely wrongheaded idea in you know in in the radical crisis we're facing. So. Someone asked Biden about it, and this was Biden's response. I have audio of that. Uh, it's a little quiet, so just, you know, listen as much as you can, everybody. But uh, this was Biden's response. You never heard me say middle of the road. I've never been in the middle of the road on the environment. And I tell her to check, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the statement that I made and look at my record. You'll find that nobody has been more consistent about taking on the environment 
and a green revolution in Ireland. <laughs> and so, look, uh, anyway, but I, so I, 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 I can't, I don't think she's talking about it. Okay, this is so why this is why nobody said? lets him near you hear what he a, a said? camera. Nobody's been more consistent at taking on taking the environment. <laughs> I caught that too. I was like, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty true. Yeah, it, um, your your inaction on global warming has definitely been taking on the environment. You fucking asshole. <laughs> but this is this is why his his staff like tackles physically tackles people that try to get near him with a camera because he's a fucking buffoon. He can't answer a simple question. Like he. The, he, he, you know, he can't answer a question. He fumbles around. He has no, what are you talking about? What record do you have of fighting climate change? I mean, I know you said fighting the environment and you could make a case. You have a record for that. No, if he puts what you mean is, page, cl- yeah, his policy page is going to say Joe, Bo- Joe Biden's war on the environment. Like they, they would, <laughs> he would fucking say something like that. We need to, you know, the, 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 you know, we need a crime bill for the environment is what we need. You know, he'd say something like that. <laughs> he would he would um you know so you know fuck again we say it every week but fuck joe biden he's a fucking moron he's just completely wrong for the time we're in he needs to go away forever go fucking you know eat ice cream in your you know one of your mega mansions by yourself don't subject the rest of the of us to your fucking ambitions yeah. to be president and ruin the fucking you know country and the climate in the process go wash your camaro joe biden <laughs> Well, you know, someone else had a uh, a take on climate change this week. Uh, another uh, Democratic candidate for president. oh, another uh, another progressive, another progressive, yeah, another progressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, this was Elizabeth Warren's tweet uh, regarding uh, climate change. Uh, this th- th- this is how she decides to frame the issue of of climate change and and you know fighting for things like a Green New Deal. Climate change is real. It's worsening by the day, and it's undermining our military readiness. More and more accomplishing the mission depends on our ability to continue operations in the face of floods, drought, wildfires, desertification, and extreme cold. Senior military leaders have warned Congress of the national security challenges that climate change uh, poses. That's true. It does. But that's not I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. The military is taking steps to become more energy efficient and resilient. But instead of meeting this threat head on, Washington is ignoring it and making it worse. Today, I am introducing my Defense Climate Resiliency and Readiness Act to harden the U.S. military against the threat posed by climate change and to leverage its huge energy footprint as part of our climate solution. You know what that whole tweet reminds me of? And the whole idea of, you know, hardening and just like the idea of military readiness, you know, like we have to be ready at all mm-hmm. times. It's like like a guy that like he can't get it up because of years of, of eating red meat and, you know, lack of exercise. And he has to work for like half an hour jerking off to get hard and you know, has to take a bunch of pills. And he's like, honey, 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 I'm ready. It's time. It's t- uh, military readiness. Let's go. Like that. And it's like if he can't do it. He's that, like, oh, I lost it. Fuck. Ah, go. Oh, stolen valor. <laughs> I, I mean, just, just she cannot help but be a fucking right winger. Like in the framing, it's like God. What is God? She, she, uh, she just constantly disappoints me because, like, I know she at the, at her core is a capitalist and is a you know a former Republican. Yada yada. She's a Democrat, but she a couple of the bills she's put forth this cycle have been good she just can't help but fucking bungle 
No. Any, any goodwill Ro, she gets yeah, with her. Yeah, her and Ro Khanna flip back and forth from, you know, oh, we should do uh-huh. good things for good people. And then Ro Khanna comes out this week and says, I believe in progressive capitalism. You know, and, uh-huh. and, and uh, you know, Liz Warren, who... Uh, when when Trump was giving his State of the Union speech, um, said, you know, America will never be cap or never be socialist. And Elizabeth she Warren yeah. stood up and cheered for, you know, stood up and clapped, applauded him. Standing ovation for Donald Trump. It, Elizabeth this Warren. is why when people say like, oh, it's got to be either Bernie or Warren. I'm like, there is one person running for president in 2020 who has said on TV when asked, uh, you know, they were asked, are you a capitalist? And they said no. And that's Bernie Sanders. And v- very very uh, quietly too you know <laughs> no, i love it. No. when he gets very serious he, <laughs> yeah it was uh it was fucking chuck todd with his his uh it's like no shut the fuck up next question <laughs> yeah he just so are you a capitalist no <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like the way the last time the the way that danny said dracaris it was just so like flat and deadpan so like, over it yeah oh i i imagine it's more even more so like uh rorschach you know like the, the world will look up at me and ask me are you a capitalist and i'll whisper no <laughs> like that's <laughs> yeah. that was bernie in that moment although um, rorschach was a capitalist was a very no rorschach like, was a right-wing chip <laughs> yeah. bag yeah yeah people totally mis get misunderstand that that character in the comics was not supposed to be the hero he was kind of almost a parody of like liberate right-wing like libertarian oh, lunatics right well that's what happens when you take the story out of the time in which it was written and you lose a lot of the context and a lot of references for what a, what a what a 80s era um yeah you know strip that was or, or satire of, of 80s politics but or when you let someone like Zack snyder a fucking ayn randian libertarian lunatic oh, adapt yeah. <laughs> some, something like... from alan moore who is basically a marxist i believe like it's like you're not going to get the result that you want you know no. And that movie is visually stunning. I love it. But if, for that reason, yeah. but it's not, I, I it totally misses the spirit of the comic. Yeah. Alan Moore is probably far, so much further to the left of, of more. I mean, he's basically a fucking anarchist at this point. But, yeah. That, that's, he's uh, probably more like an anarchist. Yeah. yeah, if any, yeah if anything. Like that, that, that far right wing uh, sellout Marx is probably what he would describe him as. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I've never heard Alan Moore talk about economics before. I just know he's got like, He's just a fucking. He's out there for sure, but he, he's definitely an out there guy. Like he's a weirdo, but he's yeah. yeah. It's church. That's why church I'm very erected for his fucking pet cobra snakes or some shit like that. Or yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's why I'm very curious to see if the Watchmen TV series is going to take on any kind of a political tone or not. It seems like they're at least leaning into some elements of that with the trailers. So I guess we'll see. Uh, the guy who did it, who's doing it's really good. We talked. I think we talked about this last week, but um or on our game of thrones episode <laughs> but uh uh yeah back to real politics i guess um so try so hard yeah i know so so yeah elizabeth warren what the fuck are you doing like come on now like uh, and by the way i believe the biggest or one of the biggest polluters uh single biggest polluters is the fucking pentagon and the defense industry it's like one of the it's like to add, to greenwash the pentagon and the fucking you know troops because you think it'll score you brownie points for republicans is just again that's the problem that's the fucking problem with every democrat is that they insist on trying to out right wing the other one and trying to appeal to the right when you're running in a fucking democratic primary for democratic vote uh voters votes it's like what are you doing i, I just don't i don't know I just don't fucking get it. 
No, and it's not <laughs> like the, the you know people that are independents or right leaning who have family in the military are like you know screaming and shouting for a, 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 an even larger military budget, which Elizabeth Warren voted for also. Right? Yeah, that's like, true. They're not, wants they, that, want, uh, they want or... good things for their family who went to mm-hmm. war. They don't care about more military mil, more military spending because they know that more military spending doesn't equal their family members that, that serve the military having a materially better life. They know what that money goes for. It goes for fucking, you know, giant, expensive, wasteful Cold War uh, projects like the uh, F-35, a trillion dollars for a plane that can't fly. <laughs> yeah, no money well spent. And, you know, Elizabeth Warren, your, your eligible voter pool that you can draw from is people who are progressives quote unquote who support bernie sanders but aren't really socialists or leftists like that's your only voter pool so when you try to appeal to republicans elizabeth warren is a punchline to republicans they they the minute you say elizabeth warren you they'll every right winger will invariably invariably be like oh you mean pocahontas <laughs> that's Elizabeth yeah, Warren and, is a fucking and who did she have to blame for that? You're not going to win the self over. Exactly. Like the, that DNA test just confirms it's it's like the fucking, you know, every totally bully knows that the way to win is to get the nerd to be like, no, I'm not. See, look. And then the bully goes, yeah. I wasn't even serious about it. And look at you trying to fucking prove it. It's just exactly. it's like falling for every fucking easy to spot bully trick in the book. Yeah, so she just has terrible political instincts. I've I've said that for years, and I, I know a lot of the stupid people that advise her. Uh, so I, 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 I probably I her fully... husband, her husband, who well, she thanks for being in her house on fucking Instagram. Her her human husband who who, who accompanies her yeah. on her. Instagram Would you like a drink? Her... No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, honey, uh, I would love a beer. <laughs> totally human husband. Oh man! I have not yet yeah. been programmed to consume alcoholic beverage. <laughs> yeah, so that that happened. Uh, you know, briefly, I guess we we should mention the uh, abortion bans. I mean, I, I don't think either of us have a ton of interesting insights that everyone else doesn't already, you know, think on the situation. But you know, obviously, what they're trying to do is. Uh, get this to the Supreme Court. They know none of this is federally enforceable, but they know that the Supreme Court's so far right wing now that if you pass enough of these heartbeat bills which is oh like, they you know, yeah they want them to get challenged they're, they're trying to pass as many fucked up draconian just barbaric laws as possible knowing that if one of them gets challenged and goes to the supreme court they just have to get the right one there to to potentially win and you notice how all these bills all happen at once and they're all slightly different like the you know the like fetal heartbeat one in in one city is six weeks another one it's eight weeks and it's like all these bills were written, obviously, by by Alec, the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is a, a right wing uh, lobbying group funded by the Koch brothers to pass um, just horrible right wing leg- legislation on the state level. Right. And they've been doing this for a long time. And it wasn't really widely known until right after Occupy. There was a lot of activism and and mass street protests to bring attention to all these corporations that were that were donating to Alec, uh, Coca-Cola, yeah. uh, Wells Fargo. Right. But they've kind of been laying low for a while, and they've kind of just really come back with this. And but each slight variation of each bill, you you know, they must have done a lot of polling to figure out well what's the what's the worst bill we can get away with that we you know still get passed in these southern states. Oh, oh well, here it you know it's it's got to be a six week heartbeat thing. Here it can be eight weeks. Like they they did a ton of research, 
and now they're trying to pass them all quick as possible and you know partially to get it to the supreme court they want us they want people to fight back and they want to have as many of these cases go to the supreme court hoping that if they get one more person on there and they get the right bill that suddenly you could actually overturn roe v wade that's their plan and that's the most terrifying thing is this this is just not a couple states here and there this is a means to an end to overturn roe v wade and we all know i mean if you know the supreme court they don't like to rehear old cases they're not going to reevaluate uh you know precedent they've already set even if it was decades ago but you get the right version of a thing there and they go okay well this is a enough of a different case that we'll we'll hear it again but effectively if they rule differently on it it could do that yeah yeah and, and it's just insanely I, I actually read a really crazy stat that i was even surprised by in any in every state in the united states there's not a single state in the united states where more than 25 percent of the residents of that state support completely outlawing abortions so it's such an extreme fucking radical far-right <clears throat> Uh, theocratic you know fucking american taliban position that even in states like alabama and and mississippi and all these and uh, georgia the states where it's passing it it doesn't have majority support so it's just total you know here's here's my question the the question that nobody has really asked at least i haven't seen anyone ask this question is in his lifetime how many abortions do you think pat robertson has actually paid for (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, at least four or five of like interns and oh, you know whoever i bet it's way more than that this is pat robertson he's fucking famous he's been famous all his, like forever i mean you know amongst people I'm sure, that, I'm sure, you know painfully I'm sure close knocked up the, the, the intern that has to stand behind him during his show and hold <laughs> up his shoulders so he doesn't slouch over right, and, you know, forward right. into the yeah math that he's become he, he, he occasionally has some good views on stuff apparently he hates gay people but trans people are okay I don't know where that comes from, but uh, yeah. So he he said that there's there's one of these laws, at least the one in I think Georgia, was too extreme. Was too extreme, and you know, like clearly there there are people who are definitely pro life and they stick to it. And but you know, if you're going to punish the abortion doctor more than the person that you know raped someone and got her pregnant, like that's just it. You know, when he looks sane. (laughs) <laughs> you've gone too far yeah when pat robertson is to the left of you you might be a fucking nazi like he like you might be hitler, Adolf yeah. hitler. like that's he's, such he's an the, he's such an insane right winger it's like yeah uh, you, you see the guy i forget the guy's fucking name but like matt walsh or some some fucking right winger mm-hmm. they're all named yeah, matt walsh. Matt, mike or matt or walsh joe <laughs> walsh jim walsh, whatever the fuck it's all the same guy yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was like, oh, well, in cases of, uh, you know, a 12 year old getting raped, then if she carries the baby full term, then the baby will be the evidence to prove that the rapist did the fuck. It's like, are you fucking what insane? Fuck? Just utterly fucking insane. And of course, he forgets the fact that uh, you can still get DNA evidence from an aborted fetus. <laughs> so, <laughs> I fucking nailed him on that one. You should be like, oh, no, no don't worry about it, Matt. Here, wait, wait, hang on a second. And then take out the fetus and give him the fucking. You can take DNA out of this thing too. Take the fetus and put it in an evidence bag, and that's how you suffocate it. And then just, you know, exhibit A right there. There you go. See? Did you see fucking idiot moron Alyssa Milano on? She was on MSNBC today, and she again reinforced a bunch of right wing talking points about how well, no one wants to get an abortion and all that, all this shit that stigmatizes people that you know 
seek abortions for a variety of reasons. You know, a lot of people in the, in, in cases want to get abortion. Like it's, it's just, she, she just never, I, I don't understand why she has a political voice like in, in media or on TV. Like she doesn't fucking know anything. Like, you know, she proved because she because that's that's what they do. I mean, that's that's how they circle the drain upwards. Right. Um, There's all kinds of liberals. They tweet out this stuff. Nobody wants to get nobody likes to get an abortion. So I don't know if you saw the the fucking tweet I had just about an hour ago. (laughs) Uh, Normies. Nobody likes to get an abortion. Me. And then it's a gif of this woman in like an old 1940s, like single piece bathing suit, dunking babies into a trash can (laughs) just on the edge of a pier with a mouth. And obviously you're trying to be funny and inflammatory, but to to say that nobody wants to get an abortion is such a stigmatizing and and, uh, stereotyping phrase and a right wing framing to like. Yeah, I think no one likes the the process of getting an abortion. Sure, no, it's not comfortable. Like the idea that you aren't, aren't ready to have a child, you know, for whatever reason um, is totally valid. Yeah, you know? that means you want to see, you're seeking an abortion. You want to get an abortion because it, the consequences of okay, having yeah. that child are more severe than the temporary pain that you're experiencing, and that's exactly why it's a, Eight, eighteen years of being impoverished uh, and just not being right. Or say you already have a kid, and you're like, I I can't take care of the one I have as much as I want. Another one would make it even harder. Um, you know, like I, I can't do this. I need someone to come pro-choice a baby out of a bitch. Right. It's like, like saying nobody wants to get a checkup. Like, yeah, no, you do want to get it. You want to make sure that everything's okay with you. Like nobody wants to right. literally sit in the doctor's office well, and get like, you know, needles it, stuck is, in them. But it's like, you want to get cleared health, like health wise. It's sure. Well, and, and this, look at this ecologically, right? There's what? 7.25 billion people, 40,000 more every day. Um, we, we don't need more people, right? We don't need any yeah. more people, right? I'm not going to tell someone they're wrong for having children. Cause that's just, I mean, like why that's the, the shitty hill. To We're die certainly on. not in any kind of short, but, uh, shortage of people. Right. I don't know if you remember this thing where it was like one of the times this person just blew up at me and, yeah. uh, create a whole fucking thread trying to trash me and talk shit about me. And it was over the fact that like I had said that, you know, the, 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 the solution to overpopulation is providing, uh, you know, free uh, health, reproductive education and free health, reproductive health care so that it's nobody's ever forced to have a kid right. that doesn't want it. And I was called like a, you know, like a genocider or supporting genocide for that. I was like, really? Are you pro choice and pro eugenics? Yeah. Like supporting, uh, you know, free reproductive health care and education is promoting eugenics. Like, do you, you know what fucking words mean? You piece of shit, SJW? Like, no. Like we definitely have too many people, but nobody's running around saying, oh, we need to, you know, take everyone who's, uh, you know, under five foot six and kill them, you know, or, or you can't pass an IQ test, uh, then you're going to be uh, youth, you know, you're going to be sterilized. Like nobody's fucking talking like they did 120 years ago. Yes, there were people that did definitely talk like that. The founder of Planned Parenthood promoted things like that. And that's awful. That's just like you're. Nobody should entertain that idea. But the idea that you can't even talk about overpopulation and ecology without being labeled, uh, you know, a supporter of eugenics is just absurd. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's just really over the top and ridiculous and straw manning, you know, to make your your weird like point. But what but in any event, um, 
Yeah, so this is fucked up. And again, you know, you see a lot of shit libs on Twitter being like, oh, well, uh, you know, I, I blame all the leftists that voted for Jill Stein and all this shit. Because um, <laughs> apparently they're not aware of how electoral college votes are ta- tabulated. Um, oh, they're also, why don't you blame the fucking party that uh, that uh, pushed and cheated to help the mo- one of the most hated politicians in United States history win the nomination to the point where it was a fucking nail biter whether or not she could beat a orange clown you know reality show buffoon over somebody who was polling ten points uh, above Trump consistently in the polls. So why don't you blame the fucking Democrats who pushed Hillary? Wait, who Clinton are you talking Bernie about? Sanders. I don't. I don't hear a name here. What? What was? Who are you? A lot of well, I, well, there's a lot, I, there's a lot of people on Twitter. I mean, no, I know, Maxwell, I, know. It's just, I, I was trying to get you know. to say the name, but uh, uh, yeah. And then if you recall, Hillary Clinton, who, who I think you were talking about, uh, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> oh, uh, I didn't know who you meant. Who, what were you were going for? Yeah, yeah, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, of course. Uh, who who people who pay attention know say that she'd be willing to compromise on third term abortions, that she'd be willing to compromise with Republicans and help ban third term abortions, which. <laughs> You know, they love to call, um, what are they, the near birth abortion or what, are they, what are they, what's the name for that? Partial birth abortion. Partial birth abortion, which is not a medical procedure. There's no such thing. It's not thing. a thing. It's not a thing. It's a made up right wing, right. you know, uh, scaremongering thing to scare, you know, Catholic grandmothers. Who, exactly. Like, like, oh, and, they rip the babies out and they kill them on the oh, table. You know like, what I would just love more than anything is to get it, let it get nice and ripe, right about like the, the eight, <laughs> eight eight month three week mark and that's when i want you to tear it out of my body and even yeah, you know like that. <laughs> get it halfway out of me before you fucking drill a hole through its head that's what i really want i want to you know get, do it do it a, the other way around so i can actually see its face for a minute and then you then you take it out it's out of my misery um no that, nobody does that yeah. nobody fucking thinks that way the only time it's it's, it's a, a termination of pregnancy that late is if there's some kind of miscarriage that's yeah, the only or medical emergency to the mother or some kind right. of well, that's, emergency I mean, situation. It, it, the emergency would be a miscarriage where the mother's like fucking dying from the miscarriage. Sure. Like an ectopic happens. pregnancy. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a, a couple of but it's like, again, it's nobody is like, like, you know what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to carry this baby to almost completely to term. And then I'm going to decide the last minute that I don't want it. Like that doesn't that's happen. Right. It doesn't yeah, fucking I'm, happen. I might even name it and then kill it. That's what that's what the Republicans think. <laughs> yeah, that's what they that's that's what they push. And oh, yeah. you know, again, if you want to, have you ever heard people. Ron Paul's fake abortion story? No. Oh, so <laughs> sure, he, he used to be a doctor. He used to be like a surgeon, working in a hospital, and he had this yeah. fucking campaign video where he had this story where he said that he witnessed a, a partial birth abortion where they they <sighs> delivered the baby and then just took the baby and put it in like a bucket on the floor and then just left it there and let it suffocate in the bucket <laughs> in of like, of like biohazard waste. And he was like, from that day forth, I vowed never to take, you know, to be a thing. You know, I just had to do something about the, and I'm like, what a fucking 100% bullshit story. Because first of all, that is not the way it works. And second of all, if you're a fucking doctor why didn't you do something, you piece of shit? You didn't pull a baby out and drop <laughs> Why don't it. You a lift it out of the. What, what was who? Sh- who put a gun to your head and said, "Don't you, oh don't you God. save that baby? Don't you save that baby, Ron Paul? Don't, just stay, go back to work. You never saw anything. <laughs> you saw nothing here. Nothing. <gasps> go away." Of laughing because it's so, yeah. so preposterous. I mean, that's like that's like Ben Carson's story about how he tried to stab his friend Tyrone, but he he ended up stabbing him in the belt yeah. buckle by accident. Like this, just completely fucking made up. Uh, what was what was Corey Booker's story? story? Corey Booker's oh, story about oh, his T-bone. 
T-bone. Yeah, yeah. just a, a story totally that they completely fucking made up. And it's like, dude, you're he, a doctor. No, you're lying about things that didn't happen in a hospital, and you are a fucking doctor, like an actual medical doctor. Like that's I, like I, medical just, malpractice. Like you should lose your license for that. Like honestly, yeah. just for I mean, that's insane. Unbelievable. The, insane. the things they will make up. Yeah. Oh, I just I just saw people murder a live baby, and just Subai did nothing. <laughs> Uh, and, but now I'm telling you, because I want you to vote for me and believe a story that fucking absurd, but I, I, I just can't, I can't not laugh too. And I think of Cory Booker and T-Bone because he's just so fucking white that they had to make up like a hood friend for him because he's just such a fucking white doofus that he has no black friends that he could like relate to black issues about. Like, so he would always talk about his friend T-Bone who, reporters looked into it and does not exist he just totally made the fucking stories up like it's just yeah i know just unreal they're um, they're all it's all, and then you have somebody like bernie that has a real anecdote about actually doing courageous things as a young man and he's like shy to talk about it mm-hmm. you know yeah well, <laughs> like, that's, bernie, that, that's actually the sign of, of somebody who really cares about people and cares about doing good is that they don't want to fucking self-aggrandize and talk about themselves yeah. constantly Bernie, you should sit on the Iron Throne. I don't want it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Been saying it for fucking 10 damn years now. So, uh, and then you get, look at somebody like Joe Biden, who uh, on the campaign trail uh, told that story recently about how he stopped on his way. He was, he was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was late to the rally. I stopped to give a homeless man all the cash that was in my pocket. Do you remember that from like a few weeks ago? No, I didn't hear that. But I would just laugh at that. rally crowd. He said that to a rally crowd. Like that, that it's was just, just so driving funny. around looking for a homeless guy. I looked for hours for a homeless man to give money to, and couldn't find one. Uh, d- d- photo op ruined. It, it's just <laughs> unbelievable that how how out of touch these these fucking mega millionaires are. And by the way, you know, morons like Zerlina Maxwell and Candace Ace and all these other idiots who are trying to somehow blame Bernie or blame progressives or blame you know the left for for the situation we're in with the abortion rights issues. Uh, why don't you blame fucking Nancy Pelosi, who said that she doesn't consider abortion a wedge issue and she doesn't uh, she's opposed to uh, primarying Democrats who are pro-life. Uh, why don't you blame the fucking DCCC, who's giving funding and support to Dan Lipinski, who's one of the most right wing radical uh, pro-life Democrats in fucking Pennsylvania? Why don't you blame them? Why don't you blame the fucking party instead of people actually trying to make the party better? But no, of course you'll, you won't do that because you're fucking obsessed with just pushing your bullshit brand of centrism, pretending that you're woke and pretending that you're left. It's just so fucking, it's it's infuriating. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's the situation we're in. And we're going to do that on and on until the end of time, until the Republicans kill us all. Uh, and that'll that'll be that pretty much. So, I mean, there's a balance. It's just, it's a, the thing that always infuriates me is when they, is the, the controlled opposition, when they pretend that the Democratic Party is somehow fundamentally the other side of the Republican Party. Uh, and, and again, you know, they can trade people back and forth from those two teams interchangeably and nobody bats an eye. Uh, the minute somebody comes from the left of that, that paradigm, and they lose their minds, you know, the, the idea that, oh, you know, AOC has somehow uh, way too much power because people agree with her. Like that's called being on the right side of where people are. That's representing yeah. people. That's actually staying up for the shit people want, you know, left, middle and right, 
who are actual voters, 80% support Green New Deal, 70% support Medicare for all, 60% support tuition free college. You know, that that's the center. 70% support that's, that's the real marijuana. center. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's people that are just now coming to realize this. I get that. This is something that I, you know, 25 years ago before I could even vote already knew. Um, the first time I voted ever was for the Green Party. It was for Ralph Nader. Uh, and I was very proud to. My mother was enraged that I wasn't supporting uh, Al Gore. I basically oh. said, look, you know, George Bush is a D minus and Al Gore is a D plus to me. You know, and at the time I was 17. Right. And did she Gore was just, how Michigan? could you talk like that? What's that? What, did Gore win Michigan that that election? I don't even remember. I don't know. And I don't care. Gore lost his home state of Tennessee. And that was a nut. It was just like, <laughs> you can't win your home state, dude. As vice president, you couldn't win the home state. It's also too much of a little bitch God. to even contest the election results in Florida properly, where he actually won, but he let them fucking railroad him and didn't put up much of a yeah. fight. And then, you know, but it was just, you know, I, I, I on knew the who like, Ralph Nader was for a long time because of, because of his work as a consumer advocate and the books he'd written. And, you know, he was getting interviewed in Rolling Stone at the time. You know, the Internet was slow out in the country. He actually would read articles in Rolling Stone written by, you know, whoever their political writers were back then. I was like, yeah, this is fucking bullshit. There's almost nothing they disagree on. The only leftist even back then. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, I, I just it was this has been my whole life has been a political fight from the left. And I had written off the Democratic Party for well over a decade i never thought anyone could ever show up and have any real influence on the party and then fucking bernie threw his hat in the ring i didn't even think national politics anywhere could could work even with the green party nationally i was like there's no fucking chance it's never going to happen so i was focused on city politics where half of us already live over half of us in america at where you could really push a, a a real you know socialist worker agenda uh and then all of a sudden you know after running a bunch of campaigns that were, um, you know, very much what Bernie's platform is now, suddenly here's this guy making all of our fringe radical left issues a national, uh, a national pillar. And I was like, holy shit, there's a real chance to change things really quickly. And that's happened, even though the Pelosi's and Schumer's of the world are, are doing everything they can to stop it. The, the, the tone, the Overton's window has shifted so much so quickly that now being opposed to Medicare for all, it's like they nobody can outright say that now. They can't say they're opposed to to. to you have to pretend you support it and then work. Yeah, around they, have, it. they have to fake it. They have to fake it. They'll still try to undermine it, but at least they have to now say they support it. Um, you know, the Kamal Harris's and Elizabeth Warrens uh, who uh, definitely don't support it uh, materially, or yeah. nor will fight for it. But that's again, that's why we, we we've kind of won, which is is really remarkable in such a short period of time, because like you said, the left's been fighting for all of these things for so long. And all it took was one like frumpy, you know, ancient Jewish man to, to come along and, and you <laughs> know, articulate. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I love her. But, you know, it's just like it's just such a such an odd vessel for for this message. And he just happened to strike a chord with yeah. people because he was actually just oh, saying shit that they've known for so long. And I, I, like, I went to a, a political wasn't a, it was sort of a stump speech thing, but it was for like a, like a backyard party. You know, if you live in a big city, there's a lot of small events that happen fundraisers where somebody who cares about politics wants to host like a backyard party 
you know, say 50 to 100 people show up and you have multiple candidates come and kind of give their stump speech, but it's short, you know, 10, five, 10 minutes speech each person. They get to ask questions and everything. It's much more formal. Um, not, not really a fundraiser, but more just like a little mini small campaign event in, in a city. You got to do that. You got to go into the neighborhoods, people's homes, things like sure. that. And I went to this one, I was actually working as the uh, campaign photographer for a guy who was running for uh, a, it wasn't a city or county. It was like a, like multi, it was like a metro planning authority type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, municipal, like urban planning type shit. Uh, and it, there was these old people there who were like in their eighties and nineties who all had these single payer now buttons on and the <laughs> buttons were from the 1940s. Wow. So, I mean, yes, That's we've won in a way, awesome. but yeah, but we still don't have it. And to hear people who are in their 80s and 90s talk about fighting for socialism in America was one of the most uplifting things to me. I was like, this is not this is not a fucking new thing, right? These are people who have been fighting for this their whole lives, who have had to live through, uh, you know, after FDR had to live through, uh, you know, Truman and and eisenhower and nixon and fucking reagan like they've had to live the through bastardizations of, of all of these amazing you know policies that fdr started yeah. all rolling on yeah and i'm just like what what a horrible thing to have to, to have been right all this time right and have to be just totally considered to be marginalized but you're fucking old like i'm like these these people should be right wingers because they're so old they should be watching murder she wrote right <laughs> Uh, and they're here with their their single payer now buttons on that they've had since they were my age, you know, at the time, my age, and and they're still fighting for it um, at almost the end of their lives, you know, octa uh, sectogenarian. Uh-huh. So I mean, that's really inspiring, but it's also really depressing because I also the part of my brain's like, oh my god, what if I'm that age and we still haven't had gotten any of these things? But exactly, and and you, you feel like the window will close suddenly if Bernie doesn't get it. Um, oh yeah, that, this is a big cutoff point if we don't fucking win this. <sighs> it isn't. It isn't. AOC. I mean, it. Yeah, I, it's exactly. not as bad as we thought it was going to be prior. more. There's going to be more yeah. of these people when they see that you can run with no corporate PAC money, you know, with no major donations, with just a shitload of small donations. Um, that's the thing that scares the, the Pelosi's and the Schumer's because they're like, oh, shit, if we started with one dude and then it's like five people and then it's 15, then 50, then 500, uh, you know, that that's the the truly scary thing for them is they can't like just taking corporate super PAC money like none of them can do that now and be taken seriously right yeah so yeah. there's so no, always hope for the future obviously it's just um it, it to me it was it was uplifting and, and empowering but it also yeah. was a reminder that the fight is always going to be there right yeah even if bernie wins the fight's going to be there we're going to have to fight to push him all the time left on things and and you know but that's he's going to be a lot easier to push left than joe biden would be joe biden's an in, an immovable <sighs> right winger versus bernie biden off a cliff yeah, right uh, versus bernie who has good instincts and sometimes doesn't always you know reach the right policy but he can be pushed to the left if 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 prodded by the people that he understands have his yeah. best interests in the country's best interests at heart so like that's but and you like you're saying you we i think for a long time we thought like bernie's our last shot because there's no other major prominent like actual leftist politicians who could win the presidency but bernie did manage to make 
to open the door for people like AOC to run for people like Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and other people like that. And now it's like, well, we, we, you know, it, it's going to be a snowball effect. So, but we hope so. Time, you see how much they're trying to marginalize people like Ilhan and, and Rashida. But it makes them stronger. It's, it's, it's hilarious. They're so pathetic and ineffectual is that it, all it does is make them more popular. People like, Ilhan and, and AOC and, and Rashida it's like they're just as popular as they've ever been because people understand that the media smear machine is just trying to you know work overtime but my one caveat to that is if we don't get Bernie this time and we do get eight years of a fucking neoliberal nightmare like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or you know whoever our planet doesn't have eight years of inaction on climate change. Like we don't no. have eight years of inaction on health, uh, uh, on Medicare for all. We don't have the fucking time to sit through another administration that does fucking nothing and, and pushes a bunch of Republican light policies because we just don't have the fucking time. Like, so I, I we, I'm heartened that there are people that are, that, you know, are inspired to run and, and made, uh, that, that Bernie made it easier for, but at the same time, this is like our last shot to really reverse the radical effects of, of climate change and, and pass, you know, some, something akin to the Green New Deal with, without, like, I, we, we can't fucking wait. Well, <laughs> we can't wait I, I don't think that the, any, there's never to be a national Green New Deal. It will be the... It'll have to be a lot of bills. It'll be the bills, lofty yeah. goal we try to get to, but ultimately it's going to come down to cities to pass their own Green New Deal policies, right? And, and that's where you've got the vast majority of pollution, the vast majority of people, and the easiest way to make change with, with you know, very highly educated uh, city councilors, people who are far more accountable to the public because you have more transparency on the city level, uh, in in some cases, uh, and just you need less people to get it done. Right? There, there's a lot yeah. less obstruction. You look at what happened with Amazon, this Amazon deal where you had De Blasio and fucking what's the grease rat's name again, Cuomo, um, <laughs> who thought they could ram this thing through. It was a done deal, and then. Yeah. Hey, uh, pizza rat. You know, fucking uh, share a slice of that. Or what? Uh, and then, then I watched the, the live stream By the way, and city just- council hearings for the, for the Amazon thing. And like every single person on city council was like, fuck no, fuck you, Amazon, mm-hmm. get your fucking ice, uh, collaborating with fucking gentrifying fucking anti-union asses out of our city. And it worked and it fucking worked. Yeah. By the way, you my, my grandpa, yeah. My grandpa always says that we should stop doing the Cuomo impersonation because we don't sound anything like him. But I'm like, you know what? But it's it's the spirit of Cuomo. It's, <laughs> it's, the, it's just the douchebag hey, New York spirit hey, of Andrew. Hey, fucking Andrew hey you don't like my Cuomo interpretation? I'm from fucking Michigan. What the fuck are you talking about? He really about? has a little bit more of like a nasally, like, uh, you know, as a New Yorker, I think that I, like, he's he's got like this, like, almost like a, yeah, I, 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 it, yeah. but it's All more right. fun well, to do him as like this fucking like Vinnie Boombots, you know, Sopranos like C character. A, you know, a, if anybody from New York doesn't like my Cuomo impersonation, I'm from fucking Lansing, Michigan. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? So yeah, uh, you know, so that's my concern. Um, but I also just real quick before I get out of here, I want to mention uh, another uh, bullshit smear uh, that the right made against one of the actual leftists in government, uh, Rashida Tlaib was on a podcast and she 
uh, was asked about supporting a one state solution. I didn't even know she supported a one state solution, but that's fucking amazing. She's like, I think the only congressional uh, politician that openly supports a one state solution. Uh, and even Ilhan Omar doesn't when, support a, when, yeah. when we say one state solution, we are saying Equal democracy in Israel. For everybody. We're saying democracy in Israel, right? Um, and, and no more occupation of Palestine. That's all we're saying. You know, when you when you say it's two state solution, you're basically saying you support segregation in Palestine and yeah. Israel. Well, and I and I said they, I think a couple of weeks ago, like they basically have two states now. Like, they, what, what do you think is going to happen if they give Palestine a state? You think Israel is going to stop fucking harassing them and stop occupying them and stop encroaching on their land? Like, of course not. It's going to be the same situation. It's just going to make a lot of people feel better about feel better about it and act like they've done something when realistically they're still going to be subjugating this population. The only solution is to unify the country, name it whatever, name it Israel-Palestine, I don't give a fuck, and let everyone vote equally there. And what everyone is super concerned about is that the uh, Arabs will outnumber the Israelis in that situation. And, right. you know, and they, and they would be shit. fine with that. I mean, that's they'd be fine with that, but then they'd have equal rights and they, they're not fine with that. Yeah. Right. And Maybe you shouldn't have oppressed them they, for so many fucking years and, and right. stolen their land. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, you know. And, and, and that is the only reason why Israel doesn't just outright annex Gaza and the West Bank, because they would become the minority in their own country if they did that. So instead, they just yeah, gradually build more, more condos in the West Bank and say, well, no, this is, you know, it's still your land. We just have the right to, to tear down your homes and build our own homes. Like it's, it's well, the most they, fucking, it, it's so like medieval when you think about and it. And if they subjugate them and don't make them part of their population and continue to bomb them, eventually they're going to outnumber the Palestinians. I think that's their plan is to ethnically cleanse enough Palestinians to the no, point where they do outnumber them. And then they'll be like, oh yeah, sure. Gaza's, Gaza's part of the, you know, we're going to annex Gaza, annex the West Bank. And then it's going to be one state and they're going to outnumber them. And yeah. everyone in Israel is super far right because of the fact that they're, you know, brainwashed from youth and conscripted. And we've talked about all those things. But, right. Well, there's no um, more Jewish people living in Gaza anymore. They, they pulled out of there, but that was because they just, they, they couldn't live there. They weren't, you know, that back when you, they were trying to force. Really? They weren't welcome. Israelis. I wonder why. <laughs> no, but I mean, the West bank is far less dense. You look at the Gaza strip and it's like looking yeah. at, at, at Manhattan, it's that yeah. dense, right? There's nowhere to build new settlements Except anymore. Except a prison, basically. Right. So that's back when they were trying to do that was when you had the suicide bombings, when you really had like the real violent intifada, right? Now with the West Bank, there's still enough open land. They can go in there with bulldozers and build a bunch of new condos for Israelis to live on. And, you know, they can, can get their tanks and security forces in there and let them do whatever the fuck they want to do. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely gave up on doing that in Gaza. So I don't know. I, they'll never, you know, I don't know how you ethnically cleanse 1.3 million people, um, to the point where you can really take it over. Right. They, they can't it's, it's gradually the can take the population. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's almost kind of a kick the can situation where it's like, well, we can't really get rid of them all without committing like a mass scale genocide, the likes of which hasn't been seen since ironically, the Jews were, you know, uh, uh, eliminated in those large quantities, or we can just yeah. kick the can down the road, keep occupying them, keep picking off 
as many as we can and then make it the next prime minister's problem. Like this is what really know. scares me about global warming is not the ecological devastation. I mean, that does obviously the oceans mm-hmm. is fine and, and uh, you know, the, the phytoplankton decalcify and suddenly like the very bottom of the food chain doesn't exist anymore and everything above it dies. Uh, we have dead oceans by 2040. That That's terrifying, but also just the, the human atrocities that will take place, you know, while no one's looking because of massive ecological destruction. You know, uh, you see like disaster movies where it's not the real disaster that's really the movie. It's like somebody trying to commit murder during the disaster or all the, all the fucking police that killed people during Hurricane Katrina. They just like shot people to death with machine guns for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, exactly. Like, what if there's a huge fucking massive ecological catastrophe and Israel just says, all right, now's the time. Now's the time to white phosphorus the entire Gaza Strip and kill millions of people. You know, it's fucking morbid as shit, but you think they would they would hold back if they could get away with it? Oh, fuck no. Fuck no. no. Um, yeah, I, it's really fucking depressing. But so Rashida was on this podcast and she had some comments that were completely intentionally uh, totally misrepresented by uh, sitting Congress people. So uh, this is this is what she said and this is what people and then i'll tell you what uh like liz cheney said about it so do you have the audio actually, for that yeah you... I have the audio of rashida uh saying it so let's... okay so congresswoman you've created a, something of a stir by coming out in favor of a one-state solution in israel and palestine um, and i think you may be the only uh, democrat who's publicly supported a one-state solution so what is your vision uh, for a one-state solution that meets both uh, uh, Palestinian and um, Israeli Jewish national aspirations. Absolutely. And let me tell you, I mean, for me, just uh, a few, uh, I think two weeks ago or so, we celebrated um, or just it took a moment, I think, in our country to remember the Holocaust. And there's, you know, there's a kind of a calming feeling, I always tell folks, when I think of the Holocaust and the tragedy of the Holocaust, and the fact that it was my ancestors, Palestinians, who lost their land and some lost their lives, their livelihood, the human dignity, um, their existence in many ways have been wiped out and some people's passport. I mean, just all of it was in the name of trying to create a safe haven for Jews post um, the Holocaust, post the tragedy and horrific um, persecution of Jews ac- across the world at that time. And... I love the fact that it was my ancestors that provided that, right, in many ways. Um, But they did it in a way that took their human dignity away, right? And it was forced on them. And so when I think about a one state, I think about the fact that why couldn't we do it in a better way? There are extremists on both sides who also are in favor of a one-state solution, which would be expelling uh, the Arabs, or expelling the Jews. So aren't you playing with fire by supporting no, a one-state solution? I'm coming from a place of love for equality and justice. I truly am. I want a safe haven for Jews. Who doesn't want to be safe? I, I am, you know, humbled by the fact that it was my ancestors that had to suffer for that to happen. But I will not turn my back and allow others to hijack it and say that it's some extremism approach because they're coming from a place of whatever it is of, 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 of division, inequality. So, uh, 
uh, uh, in a minute I'll read the the the, the total like fucking you know hatchet job that the Republicans pulled. But so you know she she really kind of fumbled around a little bit, but that's because she's constantly trying to not just say the truth of the situation because you are absolutely flagellated if you actually say yeah you know it was really horrible what happened to the jews uh in the holocaust but the un just stole a bunch of fucking land from the palestinians and gave it to the israelis and forcibly moved a bunch of these people off of their land to provide a quote-unquote safe haven to jews in the middle of other people's fucking land like that's what she's trying to say but she can't say it without constantly being deferential you know what i mean they they weren't just forcibly removed there was four hundred thousand palestinians were killed in that process yes right it wasn't just removal it was a lot of death um i mean it was it was very much (laughs) it was the way we relocate people in the united states like we relocated the native americans oh you won't you won't move out of your house well you're dead now i mean there was firing squads this is this was what they were doing back then um, yeah, it wasn't a good situation for anyone. I mean, it's to, to be a refugee from a Holocaust and then suddenly be forced in the role of being a colonizer. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's awful. By the way, like, America wouldn't bring them fucking here. Like we turned away tons of Jews during the Holocaust. No. That's again, you know, we're super fucking willing to, to throw a bunch of brown people off their land. We wouldn't let well, them come and, and live and, here. And prior to that, the idea of Zionism was just that, you know, Jews should have a home somewhere but not where someone else already lived on top of them. <laughs> yeah. you know, there was all kinds of ideas of, of places that were unsettled parts of the world where you could make a, you make a living, make a state. And they were like, nope, we want it to be right on top of these other two apromatic religions. And we're going to fight forever over whose fucking holy city it is for, you know, mm-hmm. from here. And it also just happens to be where there's a shitload of oil too. So, you know, a little coincidence. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, she's she fumbled over her words i wouldn't say it was it was deeply calming and then immediately referenced the holocaust i would kind of like ease into that she's talking about it having a reverence for ancestors that sacrificed that's what she's saying is deeply calming it's just that you got to you know when you're thinking out loud you don't always structure your sentence in the most logical form and then of course everyone jumps on it like she's deeply calmed by the holocaust that yeah let me yeah. Let me read Liz Cheney's fucking stupid quote. But yeah, but, but you know what I mean? Like she she couldn't just be completely upfront because she would be pillaged for saying that like, hey, exactly what the truth of the situation is. Hey, it's really fucking horrible what happened to the Jews, but it's also really horrible. That they stole a bunch of land that didn't belong to them from these other people so that they could, quote unquote, feel safe. Like that's the truth of the situation. And if you say that you're considered an anti-Semite and it's it's fucking preposterous. So. This is what Liz Cheney fucking said about this. Um, she tweeted out, uh, surely, how, uh, surely now Speaker Pelosi and Leader Hoyer will finally take action against vile anti-Semitism in their ranks. This must cross the line, even for them. Rashida Tlaib says thinking of the Holocaust provides her a, quote, calming feeling. That's not what she said at all. I mean, that's if you want to be literal, that's the st- order of words that she said. But if you actually look at it, the context of her quotes that is not even remotely what she was fucking saying and it's it's so and and again like a bunch of people you know newspapers kind of were like they didn't debunk it but they ran headlines that were really fucking shitty it was like well controversy over you know Rashida Tlaib's comment it's like no then you're reinforcing the absolute bullshit smear and lie that the lunatic right-wingers like Liz Cheney made up about something that Rashida Tlaib was saying 
well, think about how which by the way Liz be. Cheney's fucking father <laughs> if you want to talk about somebody that that doesn't care about human rights and that doesn't care about fucking mass murdering people why don't you look at Liz Cheney's fucking piece of shit right. father like that's it's you know and and how easy would it be to take the transcript of a podcast and change a period to a comma wherever you conveniently want to to take just like a thoughtful pause mid-sentence and, and instead of that uh-huh. being the end of the sentence exactly. making that the period so it's like I, I think it's deeply calming period when I think about the Holocaust, da 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 da, to change that from I think it's to be calming when I think about the Holocaust. <laughs> it's like you could completely yeah, change yeah. it, the context, which is punctuation, because it's live audio, right? Unless you hear it, it you can you know again, uh, if you know you're going to be talking about Israel and Palestine and possibly the Holocaust, um, I guess don't say words like deeply calming because that sounds like a meditative place where you're like ah yes all the all the the ovens just. Oh, such namaste, you know, like, but don't say, you know, she was yeah. just trying to, she was <laughs> yeah, trying I, I, to I be careful because there's saying. such an, an absolute ridiculous, like smear machine that's destined to silence any anti uh, Israel voice, any, any, any voice that's opposed to the occupation of Palestine by smearing and taking out of context every word. So that she tried, she almost kind of overthought herself trying to be super deferential and careful. And she ended up kind of fumbling it, but, that was all she was trying you know what i mean like she was clearly yeah. just trying to be it's just you know. red meat it's red meat yeah. and they're gonna jump on it and you know it doesn't it's always going to be that way they're never going to get to a place where it's like oh now half of congress are you know uh arab palestinian women of color leftists and they're just gonna be like well okay you guys won you got enough of you and now we're not racist anymore so yeah. if if anything i think it could be a lot worse uh, than it is right now we're we're the worst we're the you know maybe australia is more racist than we are but they don't have as much of a military as we do <laughs> i was gonna say I, they, they probably are but they're like the crazy fucking uncle like they don't have any actual power no, we're the ones no, with all they, the power they, they were at least smart enough to take their own guns away we're nowhere <laughs> near that nowhere near as progressive as australia when it comes to logical gun control yeah um but yeah, it, isn't that crazy? That Australia was, uh, was started basically as a prison colony, but yes, they have enough sense to 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 fucking you know oh, take everyone's guns away, and we still that's probably can't why do it. That's, that's probably true. why. Like we're all descended from the most fucking crazy, awful prisoners from Scotland and, and England. <laughs> we probably shouldn't have guns. It's in our DNA that we're fucking crazy racist well, murderers. I mean, now we're we're the current <laughs> largest prison colony, so I mean, you know, it, it right. only would stand a reason now that right. we should take all of our guns away, but. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe if we get rid of all the all the prisons and all the the black men and, and prisoners suddenly out, we'll be like, oh shit! Now we now we really do need gun control. Nobody, we just, well, just that that'll be the only risky. time you'll see too like, risky. <laughs> actual background checks and like no guns to ex felons. That's if you actually get like a mass, if you get like Bernie in there and he says like release all nonviolent drug offenders, you will see some gun control legislation supported by Republicans real fucking quick. It'll be real specific, but you'll see it. Like no question. <laughs> oh yeah um yeah absolutely yeah but so um you know that 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 whole fucking smear machine is disgusting uh you know luckily not a lot of people bought into it but again the the newspapers and the media cannot help but reinforce right-wing framing by turning it into a debate when it was clearly a total fucking hatch job had nothing to do with what she was saying um she just fumbled her words and she well, obviously if, was just if, if but, they're gonna if they're gonna call it anti-semitic and they're like far right-wing fuckers who historically have hated jews 
then I think most people who are intellectually honest, which, you know, I hope some people are, are going to actually look at that and go, oh, what did she really say? Liz Cheney says it's anti-Semitic. What the fuck does she know? Right. But, you know, but again, it was at least forcing the conversation to be made about what is going on in that part of the world. Anything that draws attention to it is good. In my opinion, there's no there's no bad way to draw attention to the atrocities happening in Palestine. Yeah, and but you know her 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 unforgivable sin in that interview was not the Holocaust thing. That was just the thing that they used as a as a you know a bludgeon. Her unforgivable sin was saying that she supports equal rights for Palestinians. Like that's the completely unacceptable thing that she said that they cannot abide, they cannot let anyone spread, so that they have to take all of the context out of that and even cut that part of her statement off and just make it seem like she was being a fucking Nazi. Like that's, right. that's well, the- and, and, and talking about equal rights for Palestinians this is even the part that people like Elizabeth Warren find untenable because mm-hmm. anytime that Israel is slaughtering Palestinian civilians by the hundreds, uh, her response is always, well, uh, Israel has a right to defend itself. And that, if that means uh, shooting field medics uh, in the back, then so be it. Just like Danny had the right to defend yourself uh, last episode yeah. of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's all I'll say before. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but that's all I'll say. Yeah, Dick on Tarly did look pretty intimidating there. His shoulders were pretty broad. <laughs> that, that fancy lad had it coming. <laughs> your name's Rickon? No, Dickon. Dickon? <laughs> that's your fight. <point. laughs> you didn't know that, that men shit the... themselves when they die. They didn't teach you that at fancy lad school. <laughs> That's my favorite line. I noticed they worked yeah. in another fancy lad line in this season, which felt a little forced, but I was just it. like, ah, I don't care. I love it. Anytime hearing Braun say the word fancy lad, I'm just like, that's the best fucking insult. Yeah. Hopefully Braun pops back up. Well, let's not talk about Game of Thrones. I don't want to spoil it for people who are still watching. But yeah, um, yeah so uh, I think that pretty much does it for us this week. Uh, we talked about a lot, uh, obviously. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can uh, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That helps us uh, get heard, helps us move up in the rankings. You can follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left. Uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook and join our uh, kind of chat uh, discussion over there, you can go to facebook.com slash move left idiots. We are uh, on Patreon. If you want to support us on there, it's patreon.com slash move left. We have uh, some merch available. If you want to pick up any merch, tinyurl.com slash tinyurl.com slash move left merch. Uh, come back uh, on Monday night uh, for our uh, review of the final ever episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, we're going to be super bummed out, but it's probably going to be amazing. Uh, I, it's just, that's a bummer that it's ending, yeah. but... So if you like left-wing politics and you like Left of the Thrones, I think you'll like this. If you haven't heard us do it already, um, a lot of people have not liked this season. I don't know why. I don't know what show they thought they were watching because the show has always been a tragedy. And I think they just literally a co-worker today was like, I don't know why they wouldn't end it like Lord of the Rings did. And I'm like, dude. Dude, he's Lord like, of the Rings I know. is like universally <laughs> panned as like the goofiest fucking faux like saccharine. Like you- People Super really wanted ending, you know? Game of Thrones to be a tragedy that ended with some kind of poetic justice. And it's like, you already got that at one point or another. They're not going to fucking give it to you that way in the end. So the last episode we did of our, our Left of the Thrones review uh, cast was three hours long. 
and I dare say our next one maybe even longer. So if you yeah, really twice like as a, long as the actual episode, <laughs> exactly. If you like it, like a, not just a review, but like a deep cultural political analysis uh, by two guys that went to film school and then didn't get jobs in, in the film industry. Talk to us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that so that we do that every Monday night. Uh, and then we're probably gonna do one more after the, the you know, then the Monday after that is like a wrap up. And we'll kind of probably chat about the uh, documentary that they're airing. Uh, the yeah, like a, a meta recap, uh, more than just yeah. a review of that doc. But yeah, it should be good. That doc so. actually, by the way, I don't know if you saw the trailer for that it looks it looks different than their usual behind the scenes stuff. They like show a lot of stuff from the table read. It's a lot more like actor centric. Yeah. than which I was listening like to a, a podcast that uh, Macy Williams was on today and she can't really say um, it wasn't mm-hmm. worth it being on the show, but she kind of says it wasn't worth it. Like really? it's hard is not, not the show itself, but like all the fame that comes along with it and mm. being a teenage girl and being on social media. And she's like, look, you might think we don't read the things you guys say to us on social media, but we do. And it's overwhelmingly hurtful because it's just like nobody should have to read that many things about them, positive or negative. It totally fucks you I, up. And and I, I understand that. She doesn't ever say the show was too hard. Yeah, yeah. But she makes it clear that like she had depression and anxiety issues from wow. all of it. Because everyone thinks that she's that character, that she's indestructible. And you can say whatever the fuck you want to say about her. And she's not. She's an actor. It's not real. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So stop being yeah. fucking creeps, basically. It, I was, basically, I, I almost, yeah. I, I just, I hope that the documentary shows a bit more of that, like shows a bit more uh, of the hardship of making a show on the scale for, you know, the, the emotional toll of it rather than just, oh, it's all fun and great. And this is every, all the fans. It's like, I hate that shit. Show me the fucking blood sure. and, and dirt Conflict of how you and- make that show. I want to see the fucking like the apocalypse now documentary version of Game of Thrones, like fucking, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. just the horrific experience of making the the Battle of Winterfell or something. But yeah, um, you know, uh, Sofia Coppola has a cameo in that documentary, right? She's she like really? a little, yeah, she's like a little baby, and you see her in, in one of the shots uh, in in wow. that movie. Was uh, Heart of the, Darkness, I'm right? The name of it, Heart of Darkness, I think. <sighs> I think it, it maybe called that. So there, there's, I was confused the name of that with the documentary about the making of Fitzcarraldo, the uh, mm. Werner Herzog film. Yeah, yeah, that's an absolutely insane movie where he fucking like made people like actually carry like a, a ship up a mountain or something like that. Right. They're, well, it's a story like, about a real guy that did it, but in the real life version that happened in the late 1800s, the guy took the boat apart. And Werner Herzog was like, that's pussy shit. We're going to haul the boat over the mountain, the ship over the mountain intact. And then they actually did it. Fucking and then, the, you know, there's the, the documentary Burden of Dreams about the making of Fitzcarraldo. And then there's also the, the much, much later film that Herzog did about Klaus Kinsey called My Best Fiend. And it has a bunch of footage that was shot for... Uh, burden of dreams that didn't make it into the film where you realize that Klaus Kinski literally was fucking insane. Like just the most insane person you could ever possibly be insane on a film set uh, and, and could never get a job today. Klaus Kinski would never get hired to do anything. Oh, these people would be like, it, it, you know, they would definitely be talked about like among the me too people, but just for like verbal and like fit, like physical abuse of like their actors. Like they would oh, be like the people that insane. never got work in Hollywood again. Which no, you know, and, and be institutionalized nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can. Uh, 
<laughs> I think I was in the middle of that, but uh, no. So uh, if you want to, uh, I think I, I think I had all the plugs. So yeah, follow us on there. Left of the throne every Monday night. Uh, we have two more left, and uh, I'm on Twitter at move underscore left. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, smut collector. Um, hopefully next week for our political show, we may have um, Pat the burner. AKA Nate's liver, AKA uh, the former uh, Peter artist Douche. formerly known as Peter douche. Yeah. As well as still in Twitmo, uh, Miss Jules X may be joining us next week. All of us, we may be getting the quad back together. Yeah. So tune in. Yeah, definitely. We will see you then.